Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Exodus chapter number 17 and verse number 8. Thank you, Lord. And the Bible records as such. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose out, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had asked, said to him and fought with Amalek. Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. It came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he lit down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord have sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I want to talk to you today from the subject Jehovah Nisi. And as a subthought, just tell somebody we have the victory. Hallelujah. We have the victory. If you're watching, type it in now. We have the victory. We have the victory. You can be seated. Attitude is extremely important. It has been said that Attitude, not aptitude, determines one's altitude, meaning that it is not your ability, per se, that causes you to rise or causes you to fall, but it's your attitude. Um, in life, I have known many people who had everything going for them, but their attitude was what defeated them. And then I've known people that it seemed like life was completely against them. Everything that you could imagine to attack them or to belittle them or in some way to hurt them was a part of their life. But yet they found a way to rise. They found a way to succeed despite limitations, despite lack of opportunities, despite even doors closed in their face, they found a way to rise. And if you ask them how they got where they were, they would tell you somewhere along the way they developed the mindset that said, no matter what happens to me, I will not give up. 
Hallelujah. No matter what I face, no matter what I encounter, no matter who stands against me, I made a decision that I would not give up. The late Bishop Stedman used to always say that a big shot is just a little shot that kept on shooting. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Would not allow themselves to stop, would not allow themselves to give up, but just kept themselves positioned so that they could indeed succeed. They could indeed come to a place of success. And so it is needful to say that most people are defeated by their attitudes as opposed to their circumstance. Now, they will tell you that I didn't make it because this happened. I didn't make it because that happened. I didn't make it because of my home life or because of my friends or because of the people that surrounded me. But if they would tell the truth, it was the attitude that defeated them. It was the mindset. It was the mentality. It was the thoughts that came against them that they allowed to get the best of them. And so I came to challenge us today concerning our attitudes, concerning the mentality, the mindset that grips many of us, and many of us are defeated because we have a defeated mindset. Hallelujah. We were doing bad before corona. Come on here, somebody. Hallelujah. We, we can talk about corona, but we were struggling before corona, and it wasn't because of anything other than that we were struggling with our own attitude with my own thoughts, my own minds. And that's why it's important that you begin to align your thoughts with the thoughts of God. The Lord said in Isaiah that my thoughts are not your thoughts. God doesn't look, think like us. He doesn't reason like us. He doesn't see life the way many of us see life. And that really is why some of us struggle in life because we have not yet aligned our thoughts to God's thoughts. And so we take the opinions of others to be fact. We take the thoughts of others to be our destiny and our reality. But there are a few of us that have learned to look in the word of God because in the word, that's where I find my destiny. Oh, hallelujah. When I read the word, I read a book of choices. Hallelujah. I read a book of decisions. And somewhere along the way in your life, you have to begin to open your Bible and use your Bible to make decisions about your life. Because when I read the Bible, it's telling me that I'm supposed to be blessed and not cursed. Hallelujah. When I read the Bible, it tells me that I'm supposed to be the head and not the tail. When I read the Bible, it tells me that God will fight my battles. Oh, hallelujah. When I read the Bible, it says God will sustain me even in the most difficult hours. And so when I look at the word and I look at my life, I figured out that my life is supposed to be blessed. Anybody feel like that? My life is supposed to be blessed. My life is supposed to be favored. My life is supposed to be victorious. And I want to talk a little bit about that victorious life because the life of the believer is indeed a victorious life. And it's victorious because Jesus Christ is victorious and he has bequeathed or left victory to us. Oh, hallelujah. When, when, when I don't read anything in the word, hallelujah, about Jesus being defeated. And if your view of Jesus stopped at Calvary, then you don't have a complete picture of who Jesus is. Because at Calvary, you see what looks like a defeat. 
man dying for sin, a man dying, oh God, as a criminal, a man dying on the cross of Calvary. But you've got to go three days later when that same man rose with victory. Oh, hallelujah, saying all power in heaven and in earth is in my hand. And I have been given the keys of death and hell. So when I read and understand who Jesus is, I have a different picture concerning the life of Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Meaning that when Jesus died, he conquered the demonic world. He conquered the demonic elements. I know we read a lot and we see a lot about the occult and about demons and witchcraft and things of that nature. And I don't deny that they exist, but I came to tell you, if demons exist and they do, Jesus has power over demons. If witches exist and they do, Jesus has power over the witches. If witchcraft is real, and it is, Jesus has given us power over witchcraft. So they can bring the goober dust, they can bring the chicken neck, they can bring the bone between the nostrils, but I've got a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee has got to bow and every tongue has got to confess. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. He destroyed and he spoiled the principalities and the powers. And he made an open show of them and he has triumphed over them. Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8 that he ascended up on high and he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Meaning that whatever has bound you is now bound. I need y'all to get that. Whatever used to bind me is now bound. Whatever used to incarcerate me because Jesus led captivity captive, whatever had me in bondage is now bound. And so if what bound me is bound, that means I'm free. Oh, hallelujah. If what kept me in prison is now in prison itself, that means I'm free. If what had me in bondage is now in bondage and under the authority of the name of Jesus that means right now I'm free and you know what the Bible says and ye shall know the truth because some people are free and don't know that they're free oh hallelujah some people are delivered and don't know they're delivered so I came to tell you right now that whatever is going on in your life you are free because God says that you're free we have read stories in the paper of people who were incarcerated for things they did not do, that were unlawfully or unjustly imprisoned because there was evidence pointing to their guilt and a jury put them in jail. And then years later, new truth comes out. Come on, somebody. New evidence comes out and suddenly people who were bound for 30 years, oh God, find themselves free. Oh, hallelujah. And it's sad because they can't get the time back, but thank God that they're free. Oh God, and I know there are people all over the body of Christ that because of the lies of the enemy have lived too long in bondage. Because of the lies of the enemy, 
that said you can't get past this and you can't get over that and that's going to take you under and this is going to destroy you they end up living for years in bondage but I came to bring a word from the Lord that it doesn't really matter how long the enemy has held you the moment you believe in the freedom that Jesus Christ has given you chains start breaking off and yokes start being destroyed and I can't even say you say well Bishop I can't get my years back but if you read the word the Lord said I will restore the years that the canker worm has taken life has taken from you but I hear the word say God's going to even give you back the time that you wasted living in bondage somebody will open your mouth and give God the glory because he's going to free me and restore the years Oh, hallelujah. So what's the attitude of the victorious person? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God. Oh, God, y'all didn't hear that. But thanks be to God. I'm going to say it one more time because somebody at home didn't hear it. But thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The time you have spent complaining, you ought to be thanking the Lord right now because he has given you the victory. Oh, hallelujah. The time you have spent feeling sorry for yourself, the time you have spent agonizing about what people said and what they did, you ought to be opening your mouth right now and giving God thanks for thanks be to God that gives us the victory oh God through our Lord Jesus Christ so I need everybody that's watching everybody here in the sanctuary just to take a moment and just start thanking God for victory oh hallelujah oh just start thanking God for the victory because it's already been given to you you ain't got to work for it Jesus Christ has already given us oh thank God the victory already been given to us thanks be to God that gives us the victory why am I complaining when I ought to be shouting the victory why am I feeling sorry for myself when I should be shouting the victory why am I feeling like everything's going down when I ought to be rejoicing because this Bible says I already have the victory oh hallelujah I already have it doesn't have to even look like it if God says I have the victory then church I have the victory through Jesus Christ oh come on and shout hallelujah well that brings us to understand the subject matter of the text. That our victory as a believer is guaranteed because we are connected with Jesus Christ. And just because you are connected with him, you have victory right now. But here's another point that this lesson is going to bring out. And that is our victory as a church is guaranteed because we are connected with Jesus Christ and we are connected with one another.
Oh, hallelujah. I, I, and when I say church, I'm not talking about refuge in Burlington. I'm talking about the body of Christ. That the body of Christ is going to be victorious because we are connected one to another. I, I'm excited because I'm in a church, and I mean the body of Christ, that is filled with victorious people. Oh, hallelujah. I have heard testimonies all of my life. And I'll tell you this one, then I'm going to move on. There was a mother that got saved in our church. She's now going to be with the Lord, Mother Williamson, and she got the Holy Ghost at 60 years old. And her husband was adamant that she not get saved. In fact, when she talked to him about being saved, he told her, if you get that mess called the Holy Ghost, I'm going to kill you. And so she went to a noonday prayer one day, and the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost. And she came back home speaking in tongues and testifying and saying, I got the Holy Ghost. And her husband said, I told you I would kill you if you got that mess that he, called, that he was calling the Holy Ghost. So he goes out to the shed and comes back with the chainsaw. Chainsaw had worked all, every day. Chainsaw had worked every hour. Never been broken. Never been unfixed. And he walks in the house and starts starting the chainsaw. And every time she pull, he pulled on the chain, Mother Williamson would shout the blood of Jesus. And it wouldn't start. He pulled on it again and she shouted the blood of Jesus. And it wouldn't start. He pulled it again and she said the blood of Jesus. And it didn't start. He finally got frustrated, threw it down, cussed out, and walked out of the house. Because when you've got the victory, oh, hallelujah, it doesn't matter what demon comes against you, you've got the victory. Oh, shatana I'm so glad I'm living in victory. The text, hallelujah, is the story of Israel's journey to the promised land. And it's an object lesson for the church working our way through this life. And the Lord led me here a few weeks ago and said, talk to the church about getting through. Because we've got to get through this season. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. And I need to tell you that God's going to get us through this season. We may have to do some things differently, and our faith has been challenged, but I came to speak as the Lord's servant that God is going to get us through. Oh, Shitana Mahaya. Oh, hallelujah. I grieve with those that have buried their dead, but God is going to get us through. I'm praying for those that are sick, but God is going to get us through. I'm praying for those who are on halftime, short time, or no time, but God's going to get us through. And it's not going to be the stimulus, and it's not not going to be unemployment and it's not going to be medicine it's going to be the hand of God that gets us through come on and shout hallelujah well you can learn by studying Israel in this time as they were passing hallelujah from Egypt to the promised land and Israel had to endure a number of experiences they went through a number of things. It just wasn't one thing that they had to face. They had to face a number of challenges. And in all of those challenges, God continued to prove himself. Now, I, I understand it's difficult to go through, but how can we really be bitter when God keeps proving himself? 
Hallelujah. How can we really complain when God keeps proving himself? In fact, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of them all. So yes, I have been through a lot, but God keeps on delivering. Yes, I have endured a lot, but God keeps on making a way. Yes, I have faced a lot, but God continues to show himself to be the God that is more than enough in my life. So instead of complaining, I made a decision that I would just give God the glory. I'll say my prayer, I'll cry to him, but when prayer time is over, I'll lift my hands and open my mouth and give God the glory because he keeps on making a way. Oh, come on and shout hallelujah. Well, the Lord designed Israel's experiences to teach them and to prepare them to transition from slaves to conquerors. Remember that they had been in slavery 400 years and they had spent all that time being the property of the lords of Egypt. And now they're free. But you, if you understand freedom, you understand it's not enough just to change a person's status. You must also change their mentality. Come on, somebody. And, and, and that's the problem with the church is that many of us are saved but we still don't think like believers. We think like sinners. And that's why when we go, we come under stress, we act like sinners because we've been thinking like sinners and we've been reasoning like sinners. But when you've been born again, you have to change the way that you think. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind has to change. So I start to think like some that is blood washed that is fire baptized that is filled with the Holy Ghost that is living by faith in the word of God my mind has to change and believe it or not it takes more than the word and prayer to change your mind it takes experience it takes experience somebody type in it takes experience Oh, hallelujah. It takes experience because it's the experience that teaches you the veracity of God's promises and God's word. And so as you look um, in just these few short chapters of Exodus, Israel has come out of Egypt. They have gone through the Red Sea and they have not only walked on the dry ground of the Red Sea, but they have watched their enemy die in the water of the Red Sea. And, and you know, some people say, well, it wasn't really the Red Sea. Some say it was the Reed Sea, and the Reed Sea was only ankle deep. And I said, well, that's an even greater miracle because God destroyed an entire army in ankle deep water. Come on, somebody. But however it was, they came out, and the Lord destroyed the enemy, oh God, in the sea. They, they, had, to, they, they had to experience the miracle of the manna falling, oh God, from heaven. God sending bread to feed them every day. They had to watch God send quail to fall in their nets so they would have meat to eat in the midst of, oh God, this, 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 this wandering in the wilderness. And God, even in a desert place, provided water. 
What are you saying, Pastor? That in every condition of their lives, God made a way. And that's a promise for you that wherever you find yourself right now, God is going to make a way. If there is no way, God will make a way. If there is no water, God will make water. If there is no food, God will make food because God knows how to make the way. Oh, come on and shout hallelujah. Well, it's important that you use every experience in order to build your confidence in God. So I came to tell somebody, don't be ashamed of whatever you've been through and whatever you've come out of. Because God has used all of those things to build your confidence in him. Some people have no confidence because they have not been through anything. But there's some of us sitting here that have been through so much that we know now God can do anything. Oh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh God, I just, just didn't get here. I just didn't show up in church. But I have been through enough that I now know that God is able to do anything. And it doesn't matter what it looks like. And it doesn't matter what I'm facing. And it doesn't matter what I'm going through. God is able to make a way. Oh, come on and shout hallelujah. Paul put it like this. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For which cause also I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Oh God, tell somebody, I've been through a lot, but I'm not embarrassed by any of it. Oh God, why? Because God has always made a way. Oh God, I don't have time to give you my whole story, but you're looking at somebody that's been hungry, that's been, oh God, homeless, oh God, that's been without money, that's been lied on, that's been in trouble, but I'm not ashamed of any of it because at every step, God has made a way. Oh, hallelujah, been in trouble, but God's made a way. Been turned back, people turned their back on me, but God still made away and you ought to be giving God the glory and don't be embarrassed by anything you've come through because God has always shown himself to be the God that is more than able and so Paul said I know in whom I have believed anybody know the Lord you serve and I'm persuaded that he is what able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I came to tell somebody, I don't know when things are going to get better. I've seen the spreads. I've heard the president. I've heard the governors. But until things get better, God is going to keep us. Oh, hallelujah. Until life gets the way we want it to be, God is going to keep us. I'm not ashamed. I wear my mask. I wear my gloves. But in the midst of it, God is going to make a way shout hallelujah and so Israel finds themselves just having crossed the Red Sea just having seen the manna just having seen the quail just seeing God bring water out of rocks and now they face Amalek and the first lesson of this message is you need to know about your enemy. Come on, somebody. 
you need to know about your enemy. And Amalek, now they were, they were out of Egypt. They had brought, Lord had brought down Egypt on their behalf. And no sooner than they crossed over the Red Sea, here comes Amalek. And you said, well, who is Amalek? Amalek were the descendants of Esau. Now, you remember that, praise our God, Isaac had two sons. He had Jacob and he had Esau. And Esau was the eldest. Esau should have had the birthright. Esau should have had everything that was placed on Israel. But Esau, the Bible says, oh God, discounted or disregarded his birthright. Or the word the Bible uses is despise his birthright. And all this favor falls on Israel. All this favor falls on Jacob and his sons. And Amalek is holding a grudge. Now if you read the Bible, oh God, Jacob apologized to his brother and the Bible says Esau forgave him but his descendants held this grudge and that, that was mainly about the favor of God and I'm going to tell you about your enemies some of your enemies are mad only because God has favored your life and you can't do anything about it I, I used to worry about the people that didn't like me and the people that tried to undermine me when I realized some of that was coming from the fact that God's favor was upon my life and when God's favor is on your life that by itself is going to make enemies but I came to tell the devil that I do not apologize for being blessed I do not apologize for being favored because I didn't do it God did it it's of the Lord's mercy that I'm not consumed because his compassion fails not but it's made new every morning great is thy faithfulness so I can't I can't feel bad because the Lord blessed me. I can't feel bad because he anointed me. I can't feel bad because he favored me. And if that makes you mad, you got to get over it because I'm excited that God has favored my life. Hallelujah. So what do you do, Bishop? Just praise him. Hallelujah. They may not like it, but dance anyhow. They might get mad about it, but wave your hand anyhow. They might get upset about it, but give God the glory anyhow. You got some Amaleks in your life that say, that should have been me. Maybe it should have been, but it's me. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe you think you're entitled, but God bless me. So all I can do is give him the glory. They were angry about it. And so the Bible says they attacked Israel without any provocation. They didn't do anything. They didn't threaten them. They didn't pick a fight with them. But Amalek comes and attacks Israel. And there are some of you watching and some of you listening in the sanctuary that have been attacked without a cause. Oh, hallelujah. Been attacked without a reason. Been attacked and you didn't do any harm. But the enemy doesn't play fair. Bible says that as you study the text that Amalek came and attacked them from behind. They were a long caravan of wagons and oh God, men, women, and children. Seniors and children. And I believe that the attack came from the rear. And, if, and, and knowing what we know about caravans 
caravans. In the rear were probably the children. In the rear were probably the women. In the rear were probably the seniors. And so here is their enemy attacking them in their most vulnerable place. And I need to warn somebody to shore up your vulnerabilities because the devil's going to attack you where you're weak. That's why the Bible says don't give place to the devil. And what that means is anywhere there's a weakness, I need to strengthen that. If there's a weakness in my health, I need to strengthen my physical body. If there's a weakness in my money, I need to save some money. If there's a weakness in relationships, I need to show up relationships because as sure as I'm standing here, when the devil comes for you, he's not coming for your strength. He's coming for your weakness. He's coming for that area of life that you're vulnerable. But don't give place to the devil. Strengthen. Strengthen yourself. Because the devil does not play fair. And so the Bible says that Amalek attacked Israel from the rear. And Moses, God uses Moses and Israel to respond. And they respond in an organized fashion. Everybody look across the aisle and say, we got to fight the enemy together. Oh, hallelujah. One of the tricks of the adversary against the saints is that when many of us go through, we try to go through in isolation. We try to go through alone. And that's nothing but the devil because it's a common practice of warfare that you divide and you conquer. Don't you understand? The devil cannot defeat the church in his wholeness. The devil cannot defeat the church in his unity. So what the enemy does, he divides the church. He separates believers. He divides preachers. Because once he divides us, then he can attack us. I've got a call on the entire body of Christ. It's time to unify the church. It's time to get past petty differences and old squabbles and come together as one unit to attack the enemy, to face off the forces of darkness because Jesus said upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church shout hallelujah but if we're going to war everybody needs to know the enemy and everybody needs to know their role somebody type in know your role in other words know what you're supposed to do because if you read this chapter every character had a function in the chapter oh hallelujah if you look Moses was the leader and God has spoken to Moses and said go out and fight Amalek they could have kept going but God said no you can't let this attack pass I need you to go out and fight Amalek and Moses doesn't pick up a sword because that's not his role he calls on Joshua and says Joshua you are now General Joshua and I need you to pick up some men and go and fight Amalek oh God at the bottom of the hill and I'm going to stand at the top of the hill and I'm going to hold the rod of God in my hand oh hallelujah as I stand on top of the hill and so the, uh, the next day 
Joshua goes out. He's in the valley fighting with the soldiers. And Moses is standing, holding up the rod of God in his hand. But I believe as the day wore on, Moses' hand got heavy. He moved the rod from one hand to the other. And then that hand got heavy. And there were two men with him, Aaron and Hur, that were sitting with Moses. And they said, our leader needs our help. Now, you don't have to hold the rod. But if you help the leader hold up his hand, you're doing the will of God. Everybody can't be the bishop. Everybody can't be the president. Everybody can't be the director. But you can be the one that holds up the hand. Oh, hallelujah. God needs somebody that doesn't have to have a title. But they have the job and the assignment to hold up the hand. Come on, shout hallelujah. It's your job. Hallelujah. Refuge temple. Everybody can't be the pastor. But it's somebody's job to hold up my hands. Because I can't do it by myself. Oh, hallelujah. And we work better when we work together. You know what the Bible says. That one can chase a thousand. But two can put 10,000 to a flight. Jesus said... If any two of you uh, shall agree uh, on touching uh, anything, uh, that I'll do it. Uh, and where two uh, or three uh, are gathered uh, in my name, uh, there I am uh, in the midst. Uh, I miss the saints, uh, but I'm excited uh, that just a few of us uh, can come in this house uh, and clap our hands uh, and open our mouths. Uh, and God walks uh, in the house because it's not about numbers it's about the God that we serve if God be for us if God be for us if God be for us who can be against us shout hallelujah shout hallelujah We sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.